the depth of the hurt and the disappointment was as heavy as my drinking was. I wanted to be numb because I didn't want to feel all the things that I was feeling. So when you get divorced, here's what happens. You lose things. You have what I call ancillary losses. You lose friends that you thought were your friends. You lose family members who don't understand why you got divorced. You lose church support. And you feel isolated and alone. You don't have anybody to talk to because people don't understand. This episode is brought to you by The Parlor Hair and Body Salon. With a quick reminder, it's okay to take time for yourself. Hi, I'm Chelsea. You're listening to Beyond the Picket Fence, where you're invited to take a break from keeping it together. Let's get real. This is a first time ever episode where one of you incredible humans reached out to me with a specific topic on your mind. You wanted to see beyond the picket fence of a stepmom. Now, considering my experience, well, lack thereof, I was on the search for a stepmom willing to get vulnerable and be real about the difficulties that come with being a mother to children that are not your own. Not to mention the ex and all the others who are involved. I remember Jen Rogers. I met her in my podcasting network. Her show is specifically designed to help stepmoms. So what is it really like to be a stepmother? Let's find out. Will you just start off by introducing yourself? Yeah, sure, I will. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. So I am remarried. And after experiencing the excitement of what I want to call a starry-eyed love affair, it felt like my marriage got sucked into a black hole of chaos and confusion. I felt like I hit rock bottom. I had been in one situation where I knew what I was all about, and I knew that I had what it took to remarry, and that that was God's call for me to get married again. But in this remarriage at the beginning, I felt like I was going to fail again. And it really took me quite a few years to surrender to what God's best was for me as a stepmom in my stepfamily. So I'm Jen Rogers. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a stepmom. I'm a podcaster. And here's the thing that I'm really passionate about. I'm a planner evangelist. Yep. I'm passionate about the power of planning because (laughs) I think it helps curb stepfamily life. So those small plan daily habits that literally change your life without compromising what's important to you. So I bundle all that stuff up into the podcast. I love it. Well, I'm so excited that you're here and that you're going to share some of those nuggets with us. But before we get into any of that, I really just am curious, tell me your story and how you went from being married to divorced to remarried. Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. So tell me your dirt, Jen. (laughs) My dirt? You mean the dirt that we all try to cover up that we don't want to share? Oh, gosh. Let me start with 2020, the year that changed everything in so many ways. I was in a year-long entrepreneurial adventure. The first time I realized I want to be an entrepreneur and then quickly realized, what is this being an entrepreneur? But during this year-long program, I was in with a group of women in an accountability group. And one day, about nine months into the program, I sat down at my desk. I looked out the window and said, I'm going to record a podcast. And I called it Blended on the Bluff because I live on the Missouri River Bluff and I was blended. For those of you who don't speak stepfamily, that means she had kids from a previous marriage, and now they're all blended together. I'm sure you got that. 
I don't mean to be condescending, but just in case you're like me and not in the know, now you know. I thought I have got to help women understand what is going on. What I didn't realize is I was one pissed off stepmama when I hit the record button. <laughs> I said, I thought that I was going to be so helpful and encouraging. And I'm sure in some aspects I was. And those episodes are still out there. And it's spiritual maturity that they're still out there because I listen to some of them from time to time. And I think, oh my gosh, <laughs> those are so rough. But it's part of our growing process. We can look back at a lot of things in our lives and say, oh gosh, that was still rough. But when I was recording episode after episode, God revealed to me that, Jen, it's not about you. Actually, your stepkids are hurting. Your kids are hurting. You're hurting your husband. And that's why you hurt. And in that sweet pain, I think that's a good way to describe it, I learned that there was something else out there. And so I changed the podcast name from Blended on the Bluff, which really meant nothing to nobody. And I called it Step Family Mission Possible. And I don't know about you, but when I think about Mission Possible, I get excited and think, yes, I can do this. I can make this happen. I, I want to complete the mission. I'm competitive by nature. So it really excites me to think about, I can make this happen. And so on Step Family Mission Possible, my husband joined me as co-host. I don't know how long that's going to go on, but he's co-host for now. And we do these shows together. <laughs> and I continue to learn how God is calling me to minister to other women in ways that are supportive of the kids, while also encouraging the women to understand that life as they know it is very, very different, but that doesn't mean it's very, very bad. And I didn't make that distinction. A couple of years before Jen remarried, she lost her mom unexpectedly. Six months after that, she got divorced. And I remember thinking, I've got this together. I've got it. It's good. And a month would go by and I would look back at the month and I would say, oh boy, I think I was kind of a mess then, but I've got it now. It's good to go now. Well, it wasn't good to go. And then once you've healed from the divorce and you get remarried and you're struggling as a stepmom, I'm like, oh my gosh, who do I ask for help? You know what you hear? You signed up for this. <gasps> I wanted to scream, uh, actually, no, I did not sign up for a malicious bonus ex-wife. Thank you very much. I did not sign up for the fact that I was hurting my kids in ways that I didn't understand and my daughters were rejecting the fact that I had a new husband. I didn't understand that my stepson's boys, okay, I used to say, God gave me girls for a reason, and then he gave me stepson's, so now all this testosterone is in the house, and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> but I didn't sign up for the hurt and the pain. And so what I've learned along the way in my encouragement for women who are in this situation is that there is hope for you, and it is important to reach out to people who get you. And there are a lot more resources out there now for step families for stepmoms and for stepdads, blended parents, I mean, you can call them all these things. But there are a lot more resources out there now. And the thing is, is no matter how much you say, I'm not going to do this again in my second marriage, I know better now. The thing is, is that you are everywhere you go, which means that that stuff that you think that you've gotten rid of actually comes up and shows itself in your second marriage. And so you need to learn how to get equipped so that you can stop feeling like you don't know what you're doing and what's going on. So that's a little bit of my backstory. Mm -hmm. 
Jen was married for 21 years and had two daughters with the first husband. The oldest daughter was already out of the house and the younger girl was attending a college only 20 minutes away. So she was kind of gone, but still there a lot. Jen was an empty nester for a short time before her second marriage. And I was curious, how did you come about deciding that you wanted to be divorced after 21 years? Oh my gosh. You know, (laughs) what a great question. So one day somebody asked me, how long did you think or were you thinking about getting divorced? And I realized that it was basically the 21 years, that it was not a good marriage. It was not a safe marriage. So it wasn't good for me and it wasn't good for my daughters either. And realistically, I should have left right away. And I didn't. On our wedding night, my then husband put his fist through the wall and went to the ER. That's kind of how it started. Wow. So for people who are in these situations who do take the 21 years to decide to leave, I feel like you have to give yourself a little bit of grace of why you stayed. Why did you stay so long? I think you think it's going to get better. I think for me, it was I didn't believe in divorce and then I didn't get married to get divorced. And I just kept thinking that it was going to get better. And I think it was also low confidence in who I was at that time and not really understanding that what was going on was not okay. But it's very difficult to speak out. And again, there's this ostracization, is that how you say that? That's a tough way to say. You get rejected because people don't want to deal with it. And that's where I was talking about in the beginning, you have all these ancillary losses that all of a sudden, once you get divorced, you're a pariah. People don't want anything to do with you. Like you're going to give them a divorce. <laughs> you know, they get too close to you. Like it's contagious. Right, right. But it's not contagious, not for sure. And so it's just tough. But you also wrestle with, What are the biblical reasons for divorce? What makes this okay? Am I a sinner beyond recovery, beyond redemption, if you will? And what I know is that that is not true, that God's forgiveness is real. And it takes a while really to wrap your mind around that, that what that really means for you. For us, I know part of the forgiveness challenge is that we say, well, we can forgive, but we can't forget. Yeah, God says, as far as the East is from the West, your sins will be remembered no more in Psalm 103. That's the kind of forgiveness that he's calling us mm-hmm. to. And it's difficult. It's difficult to get that because when you've been hurt, when you've been wounded deep to your core, you don't want to forget that because you want to keep it as protection. Yet, I know that I have zero animosity towards my ex-husband, absolutely none, that I have fully forgiven him and I have fully forgiven myself and then taken that to the foot of the cross to say, God, I mean to you in this. I just wonder just the way you were talking about it. Do you, you said you forgave yourself. Do you f- still feel like it was a sin to get a divorce? Like, does that feel like a sin? What an interesting question. Cause you said I you forgave like- yourself. So I'm like, mm-hmm. why do you feel like you need to forgive yourself for getting a divorce? Cause I don't know that that was a sin. I think for each person, that's a unique answer for each person as far as what they experience. So I wouldn't pretend to answer that for everyone. I just knew that the situation that I was in, that there were things, you know, when you feel ugly, you actually act out ugly and you do some ugly things. And there were a lot of ugly things that Mm. I did as well in response to the first. And I'm sure that there was some that I initiated. I don't want to be disrespectful to my ex-husband. I want to honor where he was in that journey. 
that we were just not a good mix Mm -hmm. and it was not a healthy marriage. And I know that I contributed to that in some ways. And so I definitely did sin and I definitely needed repentance. And I really needed to process that. What does God say about divorce? Because God hates divorce. So does God hate me? What does that say about me then? This was really interesting to me. I guess I've never had to think about it. Do I feel like divorce is a sin? I really don't know. I love her answer. It's a very personal thing. God hates divorce, but couldn't we argue that God hates unhealthy marriage? Men are that they might have joy, right? Dang. I'm not even going through a divorce, and the anguish in just trying to answer this question for myself right now is real. I'm saying all of this just to shed some light on the difficult journey Jen must have faced. So there was some journey in there to get through that to understand but I knew that it was the right decision for me. And ironically, my mom's passing away. I wanted to go to my mom. Well, I went to my mom a lot. She was one of my best friends and I miss her, miss her terribly. She passed away in 2011 and I just, I miss her. We had a beautiful friendship. And what I wanted her to tell me was, it's okay for you to get a divorce, but she would never tell me that. She would listen to me. And she would encourage me to make the decision that was best for me, which is really, that's a true friend to be supportive, but not tell you what to do. But when she passed away, I just knew that I can't live like this anymore, that my life is too short. You know, the whole, when you lose somebody, you begin to ask yourself some questions about what's really important to you. And I knew that I didn't want to live that way anymore. Thank you for sharing your perspective on that. I wasn't asking that in a judgmental way. I was, I'm just curious because, you know, some people struggle with religion because like you can't get a divorce. And then some people are like, you should be able to do whatever you want. So I just wanted to get your perspective on how interesting that you, you still believe that divorce, like God frowns upon divorce and you still know that it was the right decision for you and you've mm-hmm. worked through that journey. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with me. For those of you not divorced, I beg that you support your friends in their decisions. Chances are, they're beating themselves up about it more than you know. They don't need extra shame or even advice. Okay, enough about that. Let's get to the love story. Jen was on Match.com and had already been on several horror story dates. She had just returned home from one particularly bad date. And uh, I was folding laundry in the laundry room. And my laundry room at that time was on the opposite end of the house of my bedroom. And as I was folding laundry, I told God that I was done. Like, God, this is ridiculous. Dating in your 40s really sucks. I'm not into this anymore. I mean, I don't understand how you get remarried without dating, but dating like this is not working. Not going to do that. And I was just reviewing all of the things and what was important to me. I mean, here's the great thing is that when you're by yourself, you have this opportunity to reflect and determine what's really important to you. And I knew, so I had made a list for my next husband. I was like, okay, one of them was he had to be six feet tall. So my husband just came in at six feet. Otherwise he would have been out. No joke, he would have been out six feet tall. I was very particular because I had heard from several different people, hey, it's important to make a list about what's important to you. But I knew that I wanted a Christian man. I wanted to be married. And I wanted to celebrate Jesus in our marriage. And I wanted to go to church together, all of that. So it turns out that this raised Catholic girl ended up marrying a Baptist preacher. But that's a story for another time. Folding laundry, done, done with this. And I'm walking down the very long hallway to get to the opposite end of the house. And I had this distinct sense from the Holy Spirit that I was supposed to pray for my future husband. 
And I kind of chuckled as I'm holding the laundry thinking, uh, I don't need to back up to the laundry room and repeat what I've just said to you. You're like, you heard it all. I know you heard it all. <laughs> and I just, again, this strong sense, pray for your future husband. And so like the teeny bopper eyeball rolling kid who does a lot of do with their parents say, I rolled my eyes, didn't want to do what God was directing me to do. And I pray for my future husband, sarcastically. <laughs> yeah. Okay, God, whatever. <laughs> and that weekend I met my husband. So Match.com was a bust. And it was really, I mean, quite honestly, it was more about who do you want to have sex with.com. That's what they could have called it. That's what I felt like it was. It was all about hooking up and not actually coming together for a meaningful relationship. And that wasn't what I was about. So I had signed up for ChristianMingle.com. And that's how we met. We met on Christian Mingle. And then we made a date to meet up to go out to dinner. And it was Labor Day weekend. And I knew a lot of the restaurants that we wanted to go to would be closed because there were mom and pops. And those are the kind of restaurants I like. I like that on the end. all of that. And so I was thinking, maybe I should let him know that we probably ought to make a few phone calls ahead of time before we go to see if they're actually even going to be open this weekend. And as I thought that, he had sent me a message saying, hey, I made a few phone calls to make sure that these places were open and these are the places that were open. I thought, huh, that's really good. All right, bonus points for you. I like that. That's awesome. And then I thought, well, I'm not going to have him come to the house. You know, I don't know who he is. so I'm not going to give him my address. So... I'll just meet him at the restaurant. And then I wondered, I wonder if they'll offer to pick me up at the grocery store because he knew the small town I lived in and there's only one grocery store there. I wonder if they'll offer to pick me up at that grocery store. And sure enough, he did. He did. And I thought, well, that's two. That's pretty good. And then when I met him in the grocery store parking lot, I got in the car with him and he had a rose for me. Now, before you think that that was bonus point number three, I hated that because I had gone on a date with a guy. Oh, he, it was muckety luck and he had brought a rose. So look, I never told my husband that. <laughs> I never told him that I did like that rose. So don't tell him. <laughs> but then we went out to dinner and it, everything just connected. And after dinner, we had gone to a park and he's a musician. And I am a podcaster for a reason. I'm a wannabe musician who should never sing in front of people, but I can talk in front of people. But he is an amazing singer. And so are his sons, by the way. And so was my mom. So that was kind of cool. And he sang to me. He pulled out his guitar and sang. I mean, it was so corny, cool, all of that. So that was bonus point number three. So that's how we met. I love it so much. Okay. And then you know these stories. You get married and live happily ever after, right? Yeah, not. Happily ever after, not. Speaking of happily ever afters, Disney does not do stepmoms any favors. When you think about stepmoms, you think about the evil stepmoms, right? <laughs> so uh, believe me, there were times that I felt evil in transition in a stepmom role, but I am not evil. So, Can you tell uh, me what it looks like, what it first looked like before you got yeah. all the tools and started working and made the podcast? Like, tell me, how hard is it really to be a stepmom? It's really, really hard. It's really hard because nobody equips you. Nobody tells you what to expect. And people, you feel like people are still judging you for your divorce and your remarriage. You don't know what to call the kids. The kids don't know what to call you. You have to decide where you're going to live. What rooms are they going to sleep in? What's the custody schedule? 
who's going to cook dinner? Who's going to do go laundry? Who's going to do the shopping? What about my work schedule? What about your work schedule? What does this look like? When you leave the house and the stepkids are with me, what authority do I have? Because the thing about becoming a step-parent is you lose a lot of control. Now, I don't know about your audience, but for me, I'm an ongoing recovering control freak. So not having control does not fit very well with me. Like that was really, really hard. And I felt like I didn't have authority in my own home. I felt like my husband didn't understand what I was going through. And he acknowledged that he didn't, even though I tried to explain it to him. And so I felt like I had given everything up and I wanted out. I was not on like a majority of stepmoms that you ask, what's one piece of advice that you have for new stepmoms? You know what they say? Don't do it. Don't do it. Her stepsons were 13 and 9. And at that time, they were with Jen and her new husband every other weekend. And I didn't really understand why they weren't with my husband more. I began to understand as we talked more and more about things, but we ended up going through a custody battle so that he would have the kids every other week. And I remember thinking that when my mom passed away, it felt like this heavy weight on me, that everything was walking in mud. And it was very stressful. And like my mom, I would break out in hives on my neck when I was really stressed. That's the first time that I, that happened to me when my mom died. The second time that happened to me was through the custody battle because it got pretty ugly. And for stepmoms, they are the physical manifestation of the kids' parents never getting back together again. This one sentence jolted me. Wow. Stepmoms or dads are the physical manifestation of the kids' parents never getting back together again. Can we just soak that in? Talk about losing the game before you ever begin it. And there are loyalty challenges. There's a lot of hurt. There's no step family that's created that doesn't come together with a whole bunch of hurt first. And we need to work through that hurt and acknowledge that that hurt exists. Everything is new and everything is unknown. And that's what makes it so difficult. How I never thought of that, what you just said, is that you are the physical representation of their parents not being together. And that's what kids want the most is just their parents to get back, even if because they don't understand the tech toxicity or the fighting or whatever caused the divorce. They just know the two people that they love. Wow, that was amazing. What you just said just blew my mind. <laughs> So how do you manage the, you mentioned there was like some crazy ex-wives or whatever. Was it difficult? Because I have heard, at least my friend that struggles with this, it's like, you don't want to disrespect their mom because you don't want to be the evil step mom, whatever. You don't want to disrespect them, but also sometimes the decisions the mom is making is not safe for the kids. So how do you manage like not totally just trash talking their moms in front of themselves. Like, is that a problem that, that people come across a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really difficult because you want to defend yourself. When you're being attacked, your first thing, your initial response is, I'm going to defend myself. And there's a lot of extra thinking that needs to go in front of that. I know that there were times that my husband and I were having it out, that the kids overheard some things that weren't for their ears, but they don't know that, right? I mean, what what young kid do you not know that isn't going to listen at the door or do something? But yeah, that was really difficult because I knew that there were certain things that 
we were right on. I'm sure there were plenty of things that we were wrong on, but I knew that for the good of the kids that we all needed to get along. And honestly, my husband and his ex-wife just couldn't even communicate at all. I mean, it was so much tension and contention. And so I know we also struggle with some parental alienation. And what that means is that you have one parent that is negative towards the other biological parent with the kids, and then the kids bring that to you. And so trying to build a relationship in that when they don't trust you, you can't have a relationship without trust. And so that really negatively impacted us coming together for quite some time. And I just want to say that things are not perfect now. We still have challenges with our kids. And they change just as we change. Our kids change over time as well. But you do what you can with what you have and you pray through it and pray that God will heal those relationships. I mean, I knew, gosh, even when things started getting serious, I went and I met the boy's mom for lunch because I wanted her to know that I was okay. <laughs> you know, that I didn't expect us to be friends, but I wanted her to know that I was cool. You know, I was put together. I knew what I was about and I would be respectful to her kids. You know, I, I invited them to design their room. Like, what colors do you like? What do you want to create their space for them? Because I knew it would be weird. I'm going, think about lugging a suitcase of your stuff back and forth from house to house every other week. That's not fun. And so I wanted to ensure that they have Mm -hmm. all the basic things that they needed. And then so, you know, like, think about that toothbrushes, pajamas, underwear, socks, school bags, all the kind of things that you, you don't necessarily think about when you're not in a blended family. Blended families have to deal with that. Like, how do you effectively communicate when your kids are in trouble at school? Who does the school call? Do they call the mom? Do they call the dad? Do they call the mom when it's mom's week? The dad when it's dad? What happens? Who do the kids reach out to? I mean, there are lots of things that you felt like you understood. Like, hey, I know what to do in this situation. But then you're in this situation and everything is different. For example, what form do you know of that has a space for the stepmom or the stepdad? Not many, not many out there. So there are there are just lots of things that come up that you don't even expect. And when you think you have it licked, you know, when you feel like, okay, I finally am in a good space with it, then something else comes up and it's a big wallop. So I think, and you said it earlier, give yourself some grace. I think that's really important that we give ourselves some grace and understand as much as I'm not a fan of this expression, it does take time with blend families because you have to develop that trust. So it's not any quote unquote normal family because you don't have that history. So you don't know, like the first year, mm-hmm. you don't know how you're going to celebrate birthdays. You don't know when you're going to celebrate them. Are you going to get them on their birthday? How are you going to celebrate Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all the holidays that you have? How are you going to celebrate those days? And the challenges was integrating my older daughters who were out of the home with my stepsons. Like they're not living with them. So they're not having experiences with them. And how do we build in relationship? How do we grow? Well, we have experiences. We hang out like you and I are hanging out. We're getting to know each other a little bit more as we record this mm-hmm. podcast. But it's built on spending time together. And so it, it does take time and it takes longer than what you think it takes. So I also coach stepmoms and stepfamily couples. And I know a lot of stepmoms will say, gosh, I've been struggling for a little while. I think maybe I need some help. And when we dig deeper and uncover it, they've been struggling for 10 years. Like they've hated their life for 10 years. Mm. 
after 21 years of a bad marriage, I don't ever want to waste that time again. And yet I saw myself in the same situation. I lost a few years because I was so angry because I didn't know what to do. And there was nobody out there to help me. There was nobody else to tell me. These are some of the normal things. And I'll go back to wanting control over things. What I learned is that you don't gain any more control when you get remarried. You think you're more in control because you're more experienced. But then you get in a situation where you feel like so many things are out of control. That what you do have as a woman of God is the influence. And so I work with women to help them embrace the fact that they have influence and they actually set the temperature for their home. No matter who's in their home, they get to set the temperature. Once they embrace that, they don't gain any more control, but they certainly gain a lot more satisfaction and enjoyment in what's going on in their families. Oh, I love that. So now my mind goes back to Cinderella. You know how the stepmother is always so nice to her own daughters? Well, I know that's very exaggerated, but it made me wonder a bold question. And you can tell when I'm thinking about asking a bold question because I stammer the whole way getting it out. (laughs) Is there a difference? As you're talking, I just thought of like, there has to be. Is there a difference in the love you have for a biological child and a love that you have for a child that's not yours? Is that just there? Great question. Yeah, yeah. I would just kind of straight up, stepmama, you're not going to love them the same. You actually, if you were honest, you don't love your bio kids the same. We love everybody differently because we grant different things where we connect over into each relationship. But if you segregate, say, biological and stuff, yeah, it is different. But that doesn't mean that we're incapable of love, but it often feels like we are. So instead of thinking of this as a bad thing, like I might not love them as much or whatever, it's not as much or a little, or it's just differently. You love each human differently, really. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> the, the important question to ask there is, how is God calling you to love this? And that's how you respond. I love this. Just take the comparison piece right out. Jen goes on to explore more bumps that stepmoms have to navigate. But first, let's take a little break. Want more of Beyond the Picket Fence? This community is our secret little place to escape all of the perfection we see here on social media and connect with women just like you who are ready to be done comparing and start being compassionate to themselves and others. Can't wait to see you in there. I wanted to feature a review that I just got this week. It says, five stars like a friend. So I've only listened to one episode, The Convicted Woman, but I will absolutely be listening to more. It's like I'm sitting at the park with my best friends and we're all just feeling life together. I want to meet these women and want them to meet me because they love so easily. I think they might love me. What the heck? I can't wait to hear more. Thank you so much for that review. It made my whole heart sing. That's exactly what I wanted. You imagining yourself sitting at the park, feeling life together. I could not have asked for a better review. Thank you so much for sharing. And if you haven't yet, leave a review and maybe yours will get featured on the podcast next. And remember, we're going after 500 downloads per episode. So if you listen to an episode you like, please send it on to a friend. Thanks so much. Let's get back. Back to Jen. And picture this. It's senior night for one of her stepsons. His mother is on one of his sides, his father on the other. And nowhere does Jen's name get announced. She's just kind of the third wheel standing there on the field like an unnamed extra. 
And I don't want to come across as a victim. I don't believe in victim mentality at all. Although I would tell you that there were a lot of times that I felt like I'm the victim here and had to work through that kind of thinking because I would be frustrated to be tossed aside. I know I, in one of my podcast episodes, I talk about this a little bit where when my stepson graduated from high school, I'm sitting on the bleachers, not wanting to go down to the field with my husband because I know that my name is not on the list when the senior walks across the field to say, hey, here's all the stuff that the senior's going to do and the commendations for him. I knew I wasn't on that list and I didn't want to go down there and walk down mm. and not be mentioned. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, I thought that that battle between honoring my husband and honoring my stepson and being rejected all at the same time, walking across the field with my husband and his ex-wife on the other side of their son, and my name was not announced. I was furious. <laughs> Absolutely furious. And heartbroken. Yeah, that's too. a very human experience. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of having to navigate that rejection. Rejection, I think, is probably the biggest thing that stepmoms deal with. I can't speak so much to stepdads because I'm not a stepdad. I can tell you some of the experiences that I've witnessed with my husband and my daughters. It's different. But I want to jump in and say that oftentimes we focus on when the kids are in the house and that adult stepkids, they have it easier. That's not true. So I just want to put that out there, that adult stepkids struggle too because they wonder, who is this person that married my dad? Who is this person who married my mom? Right? I don't like that person. Do I have to be in a relationship with them? What responsibility do I have here? Are they changing our holiday traditions? We don't do it that way. So there's a lot of transitions that occur with the adult stepkids too. And they have to decide if they're going to invite you in as grandparents. Our daughter's decision is that we are not step-grandparents. So I am Jitimi and my husband is Jipapa. Not step-Jipapa, but Jipapa. And that is my daughter's choice to present us to her children. That way, I'm very, very grateful for it. Sounds like a lot of honoring others. Honoring her children, her stepchildren, their bio mom, her husband, etc., etc. Meeting the needs of so many, it can be easy to lose yourself. I feel like there's sometimes where you don't want to sit in the victim mentality, but when you're frustrated as a stepmom, it's going to be frustrating. That's just kind of the circumstances of the life. Not that you signed up for it, but it's just the reality of the situation is that we're all going to find ourselves in frustrated times. So how do you take care of yourself in those moments? Yeah, it's a great question really about triggers. So what do you do when you get triggered? So we're still working on that, Chelsea. <laughs> I think identifying those things that set us off. And it really comes with the thing that I told you in the beginning that I'm very passionate about, having these small habits. So my husband and I have a morning routine where we get up together. We do a short workout together and we study scripture together. And we pray together and then we read a book that is outside of scripture that is to help us learn more. So I read a lot of books about habits, which I really enjoy. And that really starts our day off right. And to me, that is feeding into what I need. I love to learn. And so that really excites me. And I love praying together with my husband and studying God's word together. So the setup to my day is really, really important. And how I also have success is a shutdown ritual for my evening to say, okay, we're done in the evening. And let me say that I don't get this right 100% of the time. 
but I get it more right than I miss it. And that's the goal that we practice in order to get better and figure out what works for us. I know that when I first started in mentorship, my mentor had said, you're going to iterate your way to awesome. So all you step levels out there, I want to give you permission to iterate your way to awesome. So where you are right now, like you're ahead of where you started out, no doubt. And even if you're down in the valley, like you had a mountaintop and you went down in the valley, don't worry about it. It's good. You're going to be just far and you're going to move forward. So it does get better and you will get more practice as you continue to seek what God's best is for you as a woman and for your family. So I think that actually having a game plan for how I want to start my day. So being physically fit is really important to me because then my mind works a lot better. Those are the best ways that I take care of myself. I love that. Thank you for sharing that because I think it can be easy to get so caught up in making sure you're taking care of the situation correctly that sometimes you forget to take care of yourself. So as a mom, yeah. on a stepmom, just anyone in general. <laughs> That's right. That's right. If it's very busy, um, you must be proactive against the busyness of life for sure. So what does life look like now with your combined family? Yeah, life is really cool. So we just had the grand chaos here. So we actually moved to a new house, well, I guess four years ago. And the idea behind moving to the house was so that we would have space when the kids were older so that they could come back with their kids. So we have four grandkiddos right now, about age seven to two. So three boys and one girl. And we have space for them to come and have their own space and a little retreat for their parents too. So I love that part. I'm always excited when the grandkiddos get to come because being a grandparent is crazy cool because there are no rules. Like I know the kids want us to have rules, but there really are no rules. You just get to have fun with them and just enjoy because you're not worried about naps and food and bedtimes and college education. You're not worried about any of that. You just get to hang out and have some fun. So that is something that we really enjoy. And my husband's oldest son, he's a senior this year at Westminster. And that's not far away from us. So he'll come over from time to time and he and his dad go out on dates together, which is pretty good. So really fostering that relationship, which is good. Our other daughter lives in, let's see, Louisiana. So we haven't seen much of her since she came back from Greece. I think we saw more of her when she went to Greece and came back than when she's come back from Greece. But she's adulting, doing her thing, <laughs> figuring it out, you know, mid-20s. So takes a little while to figure some things out. And then just getting ready for the last year of high school with our youngest son. So as far as my husband and I, we're really connected. I am more in love with him than when we got married. And one of the expressions that we say to each other is, you make me better and he makes me better. And it's good. So I had mentioned earlier that grew up Catholic and he also grew up Catholic, but became Baptist and is now a Baptist preacher. So we head up a small church. He's a pastor at the church and on the Swiss army knife, protecting the secretary, then whatever, whatever it means, because the church is small, that we are really looking to grow the church and minister in particular to step family couples. And we think that that's a good niche for us to help Aww. families understand that they're not alone. So that's what we're working on right now. That's so cool. You made me think of another question really quick. Like, how did you safeguard the marriage when all of the craziness with the ex-wife and stepchildren? Like, what do you do? Yeah, that is a great question. How do you safeguard the marriage? So we're doing this in, in this season of the podcast that we're in. We're doing short little missions. And 
one of the missions right up front, the first one is to revisit your love affair. Like, why did you fall in love with each other to begin with? Because that's your history. That's your base story. And then the next mission is, is decide that you're not going to get divorced, that you're not only going to prevent we divorce, but you're preventing generational divorce. So you're putting a stake in the ground that says, we're in it to win it. And then that's where you can start saying, okay, what do we want our family to look like 10 years from now? So this goes to that planner part of me that I really love. I could do another podcast on planning because I absolutely love it. It doesn't matter if you're in a blended family or not. So you can do this with your husband as well. 10 years down the road, what do you want your family to look like? And I encourage couples to ask themselves this question. Who do you want to become? Who do you want your children to become? So right now, I don't know the ages of the kids of your friend who is struggling right now with stepkins, but let's just pick that toddler who's throwing a fit and they're three years old. For 10 years from now, they're 13. Who do you want them to become at 13? So maybe you won't get quite so agitated when it's running a tantrum because you're going to be reminding yourself, okay, what values do I want to instill in this little person that God has entrusted me with? Because this is parenting. You are entrusted, whether there's a step in front of it or not. God has put you in a stewardship role to raise up this child as he or she should go. So 10 years from now, what do you want to be speaking over this 13-year-old? And the same thing if you have a 13-year-old. Well, 10 years from now, at 23, what is it that you are wanting for this person? What kind of relationship do you want? Do you want them to come home? Do you want them to feel safe in your home? Do you want to have joy? Do you want family game night? How do you want them to feel? How do you want to feel 10 years from now? And then you back it up from there to say, okay, so now I'm going to bring it down. Now I've got this vision. And now I'm going to look five years out. What does that look like? Then I'm going to do three years out. And then I'm going to come down to one year. And then I'm going to come up with, okay, now my next 90 day rocks. What do I do for the next 90 days to help me get to that one year plan that rolls up into 10 years? This is who we are becoming as a family. And I've really been thinking about this, that family is really the word. Obviously, it's important to make a distinction between families and step families in some situations, but make no mistake about it. You are a family. God has entrusted you and put you together. He says, I know it's hard, but I put you here because this is who I've given to you. Now, what will you do with what I've given to you? I love that. Thank you so much. I think that's really helpful because I would have never thought to like specifically go searching for step family information, but it's amazing how much of it is valid for step family, regular, I hate to say regular family, blended family and boring family. <laughs> <laughs> Traditional family, maybe. So a family. Traditional. I, thank you. No, you're welcome. <laughs> I don't want to make step families feel even worse, like that they're different because it's a lot more common these days. It's not super lonely or different. Yeah. You got to just find your tribe. If you are a stepmom, look no further. Jen is creating your tribe. This interview was done a while ago, but since then, Jen is revamping her podcast. What was a podcast focused on blended families is about to be zoomed in to focus on stepmoms. I believe it's going to be called Stepmoms in Control, but don't quote me on that. Either way, you heard it here first, folks. I will link everything you need to know to get connected with her in the show notes. And now, are you ready for my last question? Yes, I'm ready for your last question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you wish people saw beyond your white picket fence? 
Well, you know, when you tell yourself that you're something and you believe it to be true, except it's not really true. When I started my podcast in 2020, as I mentioned, it was to help stepmoms in their difficult role. And it's a place where you lose so much control and you feel isolated and you lose your confidence. And it really, it impacts every other area of your life. And it's because we just don't know what we don't know. So in my anger and my hurt and my frustration, my disillusionment, if you will, I felt really alone. And yet, as I opened up my heart to God, God helped me to see what else was out there and what he was calling me to. I wish that someone would have come alongside me and really slowly, you know, to know that I was really, really struggling because I was clueless back then. I mean, I was angry because I had lost my job. So I had this big job transition. So I felt like I lost my identity. And God taught me that my identity was wrapped up in my very big paycheck and my very nice job. And my identity is supposed to be found in him, not in anything else. So I was an empty nester and then I got these two boys and I didn't know what to do. And I had an angry ex-wife and it was just, I was clueless is the word. So I didn't know how difficult remarrying was going to be. And it took me some time to figure out that things were different. I mean, you just made a distinction about, well, I don't want to make it sound different between family and step family, but we are different. And I think acknowledging that without shame, and that's something that I felt a lot of shame. And I think a lot of stepmoms do feel shame. And I just want to share with you that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There just isn't. And no matter who rejects you, I mean, my family rejected me. So I was in a marriage that was damaging to my health, but they were upset that I was marrying a man who loved God. <laughs> and so that was their stuff, not my stuff. So I took some of that on me that really didn't belong to me. So if you know a woman who is going through challenges as a stepmom, she doesn't need a fix-it program. And she probably doesn't actually need your advice. She needs someone who can come alongside her, who can love her, who can listen to her, support her. And then, yeah, when it's time, you can kick her in the butt to open her eyes to see what God has for her. But if you're struggling in your role as a woman, no matter if you're a stepmom or not, it's totally normal because it's unrealistic that we're going to be 100% confident 100% of the time. And so it goes back to what you said. I love that it's come up the third time about giving yourself grace and really it's like celebrating what God has for you. That being a stepmom has given me opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I really, I have a choice or which lens I want to look through. But things aren't perfect. They're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. They're just not. But things are definitely better. And so I would just encourage your women to ask themselves, no matter what family you're in, who do you want to become? And then start becoming that woman. This has been another episode of Beyond the Picket Fence. If you have a story to share or you know someone that does, please reach out to me on my website, Facebook, or Instagram. The link for all these things should be in the show notes. Will. They will be in the show notes. I'm going to put them there for you. And as always, be kind, because you never know what's going on beyond the picket fence.